welcome to Story Lords. I've definitely peaked my mic then, but I don't care. That's a Josh problem. <laughs> that is a Josh problem. Wait until I edit, uh, name my files, three different things, and then you got to piece no. them together. This is a good joke do- that everyone's going to understand. <laughs> You've been doing so well. You've been doing so, so well. It's uh, a future Josh problem. Per- present future. Josh doesn't have to do shit. That's like a Saturday Josh problem. Welcome to Story Lords, the fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories, that's what we do, and infinite laughs. I'm you your host, said that Rich. 37 previous times. <laughs> oh, I've got to tell you something interesting that only you two will care about and none of the listeners. Um, okay. Apparently I've been saying like a, a, a thing on, uh, what's the other podcast to do? Toon Hounds. It's been a long time, uh-huh. and um, apparently I always say it, and it's just buried in my subconscious because I'm not doing it deliberately, and I never knew I always said it until someone pointed it out to me. Apparently, what do I you say, say? Uh, "You're fortnightly foray into all things animated," and apparently That's great. you do say I, that, but I always do it, and I never knew I always did it. So it must have been one of those weird sort of things that just is buried somewhere in my brain that I just always remember a fraction of a second before I do it. That's yeah. weird, right? Well, I mean, I thing, think it's you wrote it at one point and yeah. then you liked it. That yeah, makes sense. Although, to me. I maybe you didn't write it because the same thing happens to me at the end of every M class where I say, "Well, we'll be back in two weeks with more M class goodness." I don't pre-plan that. I don't think yeah. I'm going to say it every time. It just happens because I'm scrambling for what the fuck to say to end the show. Maybe it's just Look. like pulling a blanket. <laughs> it's like a comfort thing that is buried in the mind, and you just go yeah. to it. I don't. I'm not allowed to talk at the end, so I don't know what that, any of this is. Contractually, Josh, yeah, shut certain, your mouth. At a certain point, I hold a gun directly towards Josh yeah. for the last five seconds of the podcast. It comes through the phone, like in a, in that movie, <laughs> <laughs> the lady shoots the lady through the phone. Anyway, this is a fiction podcast. If you've never listened to Story Lords before, I'm not going to explain it to you. You're starting on the wrong episode. Go back to episode one and start there, and then I'll explain it. Okay? You're like, you you're can... like six. I don't know. When we when did we change the name? Oh, man. Like it was 20? like 24, yeah. something like 20, 22. Wow. Um, but anyway, our, our uh, prompts, prompts is the word I was looking for there. Prompts this week were coffee and taxidermy, which is... Really weird, and I definitely like lamb and tuna fish. (laughs) I uh, did not have fun with these prompts. They're very tacked on. Uh, Just as a warning, I I weaved them in perfectly, baby. You're not gonna believe it. Yeah, Yeah, I made a tapestry out of taxidermy (laughs) and coffee. It's gonna be hanging next to the fucking six. 16 chapels. (laughs) All 16 of them. All 16 chapels, yeah. On that note, I'm going first this week. My episode is called I Don't Have a Title. Wow, what do you mean? Fuck you, you're fired. Uh, My episode is called I'm going to think something now. Meet me in the main office after this, by the way, Rich. (laughs) Grave (laughs) Concerns is what it's called. Oh, okay, cool. He's back, he's back. 
Last time on Story Lords, three idiots read stories, told your mama jokes and basically made you and each other piss our collective pants with laughter. Then we talked about <laughs> Star Wars for a bit. Josh complained about how I named my audio files before transferring them to him and pondered what he should order for dinner for a bit. Jeff suggested Spam Musubi and then wistfully wondered if Crystal would be bringing him some home tonight. Then I showed Josh pictures which made him buy more Lego and Jeff was glad he hadn't uncovered that specific part of himself yet. Oh, mm-hmm. wait! The previously on is supposed to be about the story. Oh, yeah. well then. Yo, 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 yo. Crystal <laughs> did bring me spam Yeah, That was you nuts. Hit the lottery, man. You should marry her, dude. True. Uh, um... Re up for a second go around with her. <laughs> I'll continue her contract for another year. <laughs> um, so. The, the crew accidentally smuggled legendary Duke of Lead Grissom Graves aboard their transport, along with the reality-travelling keytar of his deceased friend, Dutes Bardsley. But now, General Clamphands, new leader of the <laughs> Harvesters, has caught up with them, alongside Pillar of Alima Watch. Wait, that tiny sum up took... 12 pages?! <laughs> oh no! Mac! Counting! Man, I that's love the shuffling Lou- of papers. That was great audio. <laughs> Man, I don't even need to folio. That is longer than Lou Baker's eventual or obituary. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, R.I.P., man. Love that mom, Rip Lou. Okay, enough of this. I'm wasting valuable page space. <laughs> clamp hands, you clamp handed, metal cocked, clamp handed, Grissom growled. His hands go into his pistols. You already said clamp handed, ignoramus of lead, General Clamp hands, the heir to the Technomancer smirked. I've been waiting for this a long time, Graves, since you killed my sister, Admiral Buzzsaw Face. <laughs> <laughs> Eat your heart out, Star Wars. She had a buzzsaw for a face, you dickweed. I was doing her a favor. Every time she tried to eat a sandwich, the buzzsaw cut it in half and pushed it either side of her mouth. It's a real logistical problem you gotta look into before you get a buzzsaw face. I had a question, but you perfectly explained it in that one sentence. I was going to ask, is it sideways or is it right? <laughs> you know, right down the you, yeah. By the time I caught up with her, she was so malnourished, she was begging for a bullet. You harvesters <laughs> don't even know what you're doing anymore, what your purpose is. My purpose, as it has been since the days of my boyhood on Totally Real Big Dickus Prime, is to... <laughs> Hey, Josh and I found a, found a planet. Cool. Yeah, we can live there peacefully. Clamp hands began. As one, the crew all sighed, groaned, or rolled their eyes. What my compatriots are trying to convey, General, is that we are a bit too far along in this story to really care about your backstory. You, <laughs> you are clearly an antagonist. So, what say we skip all the unpleasantries? Oryx gestured. How rude, Clamp Hands flushed red <laughs> and turned to watch. <laughs> Stephanie! Clamp Hands is Stephanie from Full House? <laughs> this reality clearly has more respect for its inter-enemy banter. Gerald, am I really this transparent? His number two, Gerald, the harvester who looked like Millhouse had had robotic skates for feet, looked... <laughs> Looked awkward as he fumbled for an answer. 
no, my lord. I I've always found your four-hour-long diatribes about castrating Grissom Graves far more enjoyable than whatever important self-improvement work I had been doing when you burst into my room <laughs> threatening to disembowel me if I didn't listen. Watchpool pushed Gerald to one side in frustration, and Kellen took the opportunity to give a subtle nod to Florgo. Um, look... It did sound like your story was going to be largely redundant, Clamp Hands. You chose to have your hands replaced with clamps, and I doubt you're using them to pet puppies and hold children's hands. Watch waved his own hand. Just take them already, will you? As the harvesters surrounded the crew, Gerald whizzing around on his heelys as he did, Grissom went to pull his pistols, but Kellen held her hand out to him. Don't, she hissed. We'll have another chance, trust me. Lady Kellen, please don't try to rift. I have blocked your abilities with this device the new leaders of Alima have built for me. Watch gestured to the mechanised gauntlet he was wearing, clearly the work of the Greywoods. He ha removed his snake helm to reveal the battle-scarred face of a Norngard warrior. They won't rest until you've returned. You need to come back to Alima with me. Listen, you can fuck right off, mate. I thought you bellends weren't supposed to take your elms off because of some code of honour, not because you look like the inside of a bulldog's ruptured anal gland. <laughs> Jesus. I was going to be like, you're not supposed to take your helmet off, but you had it covered. You had it yeah. covered. Yeah. Like, yep. He's got it all covered in it. <laughs> like, seriously, did your mum think she was having twins when she pushed the afterbirth out? Norgrim said. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Holgrim said before Clamp Hand smacked him around the face, sending him spinning to the floor. Oryx growled. Say the word, Kellen. Asher looked around and surveyed her team. They were in a bad state from the explosion. They were surrounded. They were also appallingly bad at strategy and planning. <laughs> Kellen, she whispered, looking for some sort of guidance from the future wrath. We surrender, Kellen replied. An hour later, the crew, save Grissom, who had been separated from by clamp hands, sat in a cell aboard the harvester's ship, the J.K. Rowling. Due to the name... <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Due to the name, Kellen had thought that the ship would be completely unaccommodating to anyone deemed different than a millionaire with a loosening grip on reality and reason. <laughs> but it was actually moderately comfortable, though that didn't help them. A dour mood had fallen over her friends, with no one clear on how they should get out of this. Humey sidled up to Kellen on a bench and made a psst noise. He had printed himself a white vest and bandana and had drawn on some crude prison tattoos. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Including a heart with the word mother in it, then a smaller printed word below it in brackets which read bored. My <laughs> <laughs> Fellow inmate, are you planning a breakout? Humi whispered. If you are, you can be part of my newly formed prison gang, the Totally Real Humans. Damn, that's the one I want to be in. Kellen smiled. How many members have you got so far, Humi? Well, Oryx and Horgrim are not human, so that counted them out. And Asher told me to piss off before she turned me into a bike. Humi shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about Florgo? She smiled even more Well, I didn't ask him on account of he is from the Vale Humi looked around to find everyone else looking around too And he does not seem to be here 
who is a little borsera? I, sh- I said, confused. <clears throat> Did he get Sorry. caught? Or are you going to tell me he was so tedious he just blinked out of existence? <laughs> Kellen smiled. One good thing about Florgo having the personality of a dust bunny is that people often overlook him and underestimate him. The door on the other side of the cell opened faster than the legs of an overworked city woman visiting her one-horse hometown in a Hallmark Christmas movie when she sees her childhood male friend Brody or whatever. (laughs) Brody's gonna get laid. (laughs) In walked the watch, his snake helm glistening in the halogen light. Lady Kellen, it's time you and I had a chat. Florgo slid through the tiny ventilation ducts of the harvester's ship, excruciatingly slowly, and absolutely not in the cool John McClane way he had imagined. (laughs) He crawled over a dead rat, which was the closest he had gotten to any sort of physical intimacy in the last few months since his tangle with a killer succubus on the HMS Titanic. (laughs) Counts, still counts. Fortune did not shine on Florgo when it came to love. In fact, it seemed like lately it had poked its round butt out of a window and took a steaming pile of shit on its head. Jesus! <laughs> and you know... You're so beautiful with words, Rich. <laughs> like a poet. <laughs> like a bouquet of words. And you know, some people are into that. Some weird sick people. But Florgo wasn't down with poop. All he wanted was a normal sane girl. Maybe a sane girl with some... Ab- ability to produce portals or something with some sort of impending doom and ultimate death she was hurtling towards mm-hmm. mm, this sounds familiar <laughs> it's very specific but we all have a type <laughs> my clamps never grow tired graves but your face is looking pretty beat already clamp hand's voice boomed from the room below and Florgo shuffled quickly to the next vent the cowboy was tied to a large metal rack in the middle of the room, a really cliched spotlight on him. I mean, it was a scene that Florgo had seen a hundred times in the movies. I mean, what next? Oh, yep, clamp hands hit him. What a novel approach, clamp hands. Florgo mm-hmm. despaired for the state of supervillainy. <laughs> <laughs> I weep for the future of supervillainy. Grissom spat blood onto the floor and stared up at Clampy like he was ready to destroy him, like post-9-11 capitalist society destroyed all our hopes and dreams of a better future. Damn. But instead of... too real for this podcast. Wait, it gets worse. But instead of AI stealing our jobs, the richest being able to do what they want without punishment, or a toupee and diaper-wearing orange baboon splitting the world in half by empowering the truly worst of society, the risk here was just a demon who wanted to destroy all life in all dimensions, which sadly was only slightly worse. It like, sounds better. At least I can quantify that. <laughs> at least we'll. At least it'll be quick, right? Yeah, and at least I can, like, you know... That's the enemy. At least yeah. I'll cease to be. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, ceasing to be. Ah, sweet release of cease. <laughs> you think you're funny, Graves? Clamp hand sneered. He moved over to a table filled with sharp and blunt instruments. He unscrewed one of his clamps and attached a small drill. And as he turned, he revved the drill twice in that cool way that dads do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find out how many holes it takes to get to that warm, gooey centre. You, you don't think there's a better way to say that? <laughs> Admittedly, I'm not seeing anyone right now, but I have standards, dickwad, Grissom sneered. 
clamp hands was a certifiable fruit basket as any would-be successor to the Technomancer would be, and the key to making him the key to beating him was making him stupid and angry. Luckily, clamp hands was always halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Grissom noticed a small black line of smoke descending from the ceiling, and he lifted his gaze to find the little mage from the crew that woke him waving wildly and grinning like an idiot. <laughs> this stubbornness is all academic graves. Oh, sorry. Hold on one second. I'm going to just turn my email off because I've just got suddenly 70 notifications at once that just keeps pinging in my fucking ear. Is this part of the story? Or is this, this, <laughs> no. Is this, yeah. Grissom noticed that a small black line of smoke descended from the ceiling and he lifted his gaze to find the little mage from the crew that woke him waving wildly and grinning like an idiot. I've already read that. This stubbornness is all academic graves. Once the watch takes the girl back to her home dimension, they'll help us bring the technomancer back from the past and finish his work. I just want some knowledge on how this Kitar works to prevent you doing anything to disrupt our plans. The line of smoke slowly formed into words, reading, Need help? Grissom looked into his approaching torturer's face and was filled with a deep sense of gratitude. The world was working as it should. Grissom Graves was about to take another cyborg dickhead to the scrapyard. (laughs) (laughs) Kellen sat at a long table, with the watch at the other end. He was saying something, but the table was really long, and he was a notorious mutterer, and she could barely hear anything he was saying. (laughs) Once his lips had stopped moving, she noticed that he was waiting on her to respond. She shrugged, and he got up and stomped towards her. You are a petulant child, Kellen Amray, he said as he brandished a finger towards her. Kellen shook her head. I'd normally agree with you, but you brought us to this long table and sat at the other end of it. (laughs) I could barely hear you, dude. He sighed and took the seat next to her. I was saying that there, there have been a number of changes since you left. War has broken out. Grawp has been installed as the new Wrath, and the Greywoods are not deploying us to protect the city where we can save lives. Kellen was dumbfounded. If you know all this, then why are you after me? Take the fight to the Greywoods. Overthrow them. Fight back against the invaders and restore rule on Alima. The Watch stared at her as though she were mad and shook his snake helm. Defy the orders of rule? Break the covenant of the pillars? You would have us destroy hundreds of years of tradition and history because we disagree with the current diktat of the ruling classes? Kellen threw her hands into the air. Yes! Yes! Yes, you fucking (laughs) palm! Of course! (laughs) Tradition doesn't mean anything if there's no one around to remember it. I seem to remember that the pillars used to have to wear their buckets all the time, but that decision has been revoked, hasn't it? Watch hung his head. My... Real name is Humboldt. I am a Norn, picked from for my care for the peoples of the world, and now he stood and shook his head, looking away from Kellen. It doesn't matter now, does it? You must return with me. Maybe then, as he turned back to her, Kellen swung from the hips and knocked him out cold across the table. Look, even time travellers don't have enough hours in the day for your boring self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> well... This is intolerable, Oryx growled. Say the word and I'll break these bars. Asher hadn't said much at all in the last 30 minutes. 
she knew that this was one of the last adventures she would have before this what was going to happen happened. She was scared for her friends, for Kellen, for her younger self, for her present self. They are white hot plasma fields, my friend. Hard to break without fingers. Say the word then and I'll throw Horgrim into them to sort them out. <laughs> Oryx muttered. <clears throat> Horgrim looked up with a confused look to find them all glaring at him. Even Humey, who, in the absence of, uh, absence of eyebrows, was using two fingers to create angry ones. <laughs> more human than I am. <laughs> Oi, what have I done? Are you fucking kidding me, moron? Asha shook her head. You <laughs> lied and got us embroiled in whatever this is. We trust you, but you keep fucking us over again and again and hoping things are going to work out. You are a noose around neck waiting to tighten. Come on, guys. It's not that bad. We've gotten out of worse scrapes before, Holgrim said. Humi tilted his head and readjusted his prison bandana. That is not the point, Horgrim. You have placed us in very real danger and prevented our mission from progressing. What mission is that exactly, Hume? Horgrim sneered and Asher glared back. No, 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 no. Don't give me that demon death stare. You know I'm right. We've been wandering around aimlessly for what? Six episodes now? <laughs> Out... <laughs> Outrunning the pillars and hiding in time. What's the point? Where are we going? What are we doing here? Asher slumped and looked away. Kellen is learning how to use power and formulating plan. She just needs some time to become Wrath. And look what that got her. She became Pate de War Tank. Horgrim got up and walked over to Asher, crouching in front of her and taking her hand. Listen, babe, you might be the brawn of this setup, but this needs brains too. We gotta protect her, change things up, help her get something better than Wrath. Otherwise, we're just gonna end up back where we started. We're just as much, if we keep on this path, we're just as much a slave to the future as these harvesters are to the legacy of this dead techno-douche dude. <laughs> Oryx and Humi looked at each other, knowing that what Holgrim was saying was true. A throat cleared beyond the force field, and as the group turned to peer into the dark, a light came on, and they noticed that a bunch of the harvesters had been listening to their discussion. One even had popcorn that he passed to another, but he... <laughs> But he put motor oil on it because he was a weird robot dude and I can't think of another joke. <laughs> ten out of ten. Thanks. Gerald stepped... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Gerald stepped forward, his button robo eyes looking like little glasses. He raised a finger as he approached the bars. Um, wh what do you mean by that remark? You're slaves, Metal Millhouse. Bound to the way things have always been. Look at you. You could be magnificent. You got heelys for feet, for God's sake. You, <laughs> you could be tender. the next Tonya Harding, equal parts <laughs> skater and red hot psychopath. Beautiful. <laughs> A timely reference too. Um, Man, nineteen ninety-two <laughs> is hot right now. But you're just Wait following. Wait until we the... get to my story. <laughs> Shit. But you're just following the legacy of someone who's following the legacy of someone else who sounds like a complete badger's ass. Who, who, who do you follow? One of the harvesters with a toaster for a head asked. No one, Holgrim said, shocking the woman so bad the toast popped out of her. <laughs> I do what I want. Just because I'm part machine doesn't mean I follow some sort of program like you losers. 
Gerald stepped forward and puffed out his chest, burning it on the plasma bars and emitting a little squeak of pain before stepping back and trying again. <laughs> well, not anymore. I refuse to be just a slave to programming any longer. Who is with me? All the harvesters looked at him blankly. One coughed in the silence. Oh, sorry, Gerald said, then used his wrist control to delete their aggressive coding. (laughs) (laughs) All at once, the harvesters seemed to smile, then began complimenting and helping each other up. One passionately kissed another suddenly, and another quickly built a set of swings for his fellows to play on. (laughs) It's a beautiful new world. It's, it's like a weight has been lifted off our souls, Gerald, Gerald said happily. He deactivated the force field and let the crew out. Let's throw the weight into the trash. Why do you even want that Skeletor Doctor Doom ripoff back in charge, Grissom smirked. <laughs> Through bloody teeth. Before I helped... Sorry, I went Holgrim there. Before I helped kill him. He was such a loser, he tried to make his mortal enemies his best friends, and he was so lonely, he had an imaginary dog. Now, you might be a grade A skid mark. A is for asshole, by the way. But, <laughs> but at least you have people around you, sycophants though they are. Clamp Hans' lips twi- twitched in fury as he brought the drill to Grissom's face. Shut up! He yelled. I haven't had any coffee this morning and I am Tetchy. Just just tell me, how do you use the keytar? Same way you get to Keytarnagy Hall, fuckface. Grissom nodded to Florgo. <laughs> Practice. Florgo turned to smoke and flitted through the vent, quickly filling the room and covering the lights. As the darkness set, Florgo reached out and pushed Grissom's restraints undone with a click. Graves! Clamp hands muttered into the darkness, a tinge of fear in his tone. Come, come and face me! A deep growl came from the pitch black, like Predator on Skinning Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're Christmas. Yo, fuckwit, what has two thumbs and is about to kill someone with no thumbs? You, you can't see because it's dark, but I'm pointing my thumbs at myself. <laughs> He rushed rushed into clamp hands with such force that they smashed through the wall of the cell and into the meeting room where Cullen was standing over watch. In slow motion, Grissom looked up and gave her a nod. Nice job, kid. (laughs) Clamp hands back-clamped Grissom across the face with a metal pincer. (laughs) Then used the other to lift him up by his arms. In the light, Cullen could see Grissom's scar-covered body was too old to beat clamp hands. She rushed at the general, but he caught her easily and held her up by an ankle. If she could use her powers right now, she could have rifted the guy's pea brain up his pea hole, but without them, <laughs> she couldn't do anything to fight him. Watch ju- dusted his jaw off and placed his helm back over a face only a mother could love. Not his mother, she hated him, but one of those desperate for loves will have sex with anything once the lights are turned off, middle-aged divorced mothers. <laughs> Hmm. And where would where we find they? these? <laughs> What's their phone number? Well, Siri, I reckon we have here a regular old, old western standoff. Humey, Oryx, <laughs> Asher and Holgrim stood in the doorway to the meeting hall. Humey dressed like a cowboy. My friends and I have a few bones to pick with the both of you fellas. Now, how's about... 
you drop our fellows and get to Holgrim's side and flip to switch on Humi's back. Kill mode enabled. <laughs> this is like listening to a British person do a Western accent. <laughs> Oryx and Asher turns to Hilgrim, who shrugged. I can't have been the only one who just needed him to do something. A <laughs> <laughs> little the meta commentary two. there. <laughs> the other two shrugged, then yelled as they charged at their two enemies. Humey was a flurry of arms as he pummeled clamp hands in the face, and Hallgrim followed, undoing his belt and whipping the general with it ineffectively. <laughs> <laughs> clamp hands threw Kellen and Grissom to one side, then tried to catch the two of them. Humey replicated a frying pan quickly and then climbed up on clamp hands, clonking him around the head and cracking the mechanical part of his cranial unit. <laughs> In My only weakness, a frying pan. <laughs> in return, Clamp Hands grabbed, grabbed Humey and one by one pulled his arms and legs off in a fury. Jesus. <gasps> Humey fell He's to the human. floor. He's human. That's going to hurt so bad. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. Humey's body fell to the floor, sparking as he lost power and shut down. The watch branded his... Uh, branded his... The watch branded his staff. I've sort of written something like it doesn't make sense. Brandish. That's what I was gonna do. Jonathan Brandish the from Sequest. Brandished. His That's a timely re- reference right there. <laughs> Wrapped in snakes and quickly tripped an overbalanced Oryx as he ran. Then brought it around to block Asher's knife as it headed towards his neck. Watch was as nuanced and practiced a fighter as Asher had ever fought. He parried her continuous strikes as Oryx fell and slammed into a row of chairs. He brought the bottom of the staff up to her chin swiftly and knocked her off her feet. Asher, Oryx roared as he got to his feet, rotated and then rotated his whole body to send his tail to slam into the watch, who was sent flying into the wall. Oryx ran at the watch and held him in a tight bear hug, only for Asher to mortal combat jump kick watch in the face, knocking him out. <laughs> hey, it's OP. if it's good enough to beat Goro, it's good enough for anyone else. <laughs> True. <laughs> Backflip into the corner and just keep jumping. <laughs> Uh, Hallgrim climbed clamp hands, dodging his flailing clamps as he sat on his shoulder. Mechanical fingers opened, and hundreds of wires wriggled into the crack in General General clamp hands' head from Hallgrim's hand. I didn't like that sentence. Wow, wow, what a lot of space to fill, Hallgrim smirked. I'm going to fill it with cat videos. (gasps) (gasps) With a twitch, clamp hands' face jerked. He suddenly meowed in a deep robotic voice, then got down on all fours and started try attempting to lick his own butt. Now, yes. Now we can stay like that till his trial. A blast suddenly <laughs> took Clamp Hands's head clean off at the neck, spraying Ooh. blood everywhere. The rest of them oh, turned that's... to locate the source, seeing Grissom's smoking pistol in his hands. Ain't no trials for this piece of diseased rectum, he whispered. <laughs> As he picked up Clamp Hands' head. You want to win a war, sometimes uh, you got to break a few eggs, I think is the, the saying. I'm going to check later. <laughs> I'm going to take this head and stuff it. It'll make a fine taxidermy christening present for Lionel and, Lionel and Tammy as third kid. <laughs> third kid? Jesus. <clears throat> Just the kid sleeping with a fucking stuffed head of a cyborg <laughs> clamp general. Thanks, Uncle Grissom. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Graves. Uh, Kellen shook her head, then moved over to watch, pulling the gauntlet off and dropping it to the floor, then stamping on it. With it, her powers flooded back to her at a deep breath. 
Tell Grop to stop chasing me, watch, or I rift only half of the next one he sends back. She opened a rift, and Oryx chucked watch immediately back through. Um, guys, a, a huge fleet has just warped in off our starboard flank, Gerald said over the internal comms. <laughs> He's going to be a little while, Kellen, a patched up Grissom said as he waited outside the office. Kellen sat down next to the lead duke and smiled. I, um, I wanted to talk to you, actually. I wanted to say thanks. You remind me of two of the most important people in my life, kid. You got the powers and bravery of my friend Doots, not to mention just being fucking rad like her. And you have the compassion and honour of my brother Lionel, the best man I've ever known. Grissom wiped a tear away from his eye. He was a complex man, and uh, Kellen put a hand to his. How did you win against the Technomancer? Hmm. Working together, friendship, and less pansy things like guns and muscles, Grissom said. (laughs) (laughs) We got to see a few visions of the future ourselves, of our defeat, and we were brave enough to say, fuck that shit, and change it to save the entirety of reality across all dimensions. Just a typical Tuesday afternoon, you know. <laughs> I I think I see the subtext here, Grissom. You're saying that I shouldn't stick to my future, that Raph's plan obviously didn't work, so I should just reject it, she nodded. Grissom sneered, then shrugged. Who's Raph? I don't even know anything about your past, kid. I'm not exactly one for hidden meanings. But it sounds like you already know what to do. And finished, Ludwig Squidlord said as he walked through the doors, holding a long package over his head. It uh, took a while, Grissom, but I think it's my best work, my dear friend. Are you sure about this? Ran it past the others, buddy. They all seemed to agree it made sense. Grissom shook Ludwig's tentacle and then wiped the viscous green slime on his hand down his slacks. (laughs) (laughs) He took the package and gave it straight to Kellen. It looked heavy, heavy but was surprisingly light in her hands. As she unwrapped it, she recognised it instantly. A large warhammer had been made out of the Kitar. Doom, <gasps> Doomcock. The warhammer her future self had used. We, uh... Oh, sorry. We, uh, needed to get this out of our reality to keep it away from the hands of the Technomancer's people. You can take it with you, and it'll give you focus, control over your powers, Ludwig, ex- Ludwig explained, before he noticed the conflicted look on Cullen's face. My my future self used this exact thing, Kellen said sadly. Then, uh, maybe you should take this too, Grissom said, and gave her one of his pistols. I'm, get- <gasps> I'm already getting way too old for this. Kellen took the pistol that she had seen on Raph's mantle. Th- thank you both. I'll take care of this, she said, before <laughs> turning back to find the group. As Kellen walked the hallway of the Krakenite ship back to her crew, she fingered the note that Raph had hurriedly given her before her death, the date she had studied every day since she had left Elima. She took the scrap of paper from her pocket and let it fall to the floor. She touched Doomcock with her finger, making a small rift and letting the note fall through it and on to who knows where. Then she pushed the door back to her family open and put a smile on for them. The end. That's why that piece of paper fell from the ceiling yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was great. That fucking old. Um, I love Grissom and the whole universe. I want them to never go away again, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling they'll be back. 
The Omniverse lives forever. I might bring him. I don't know if I'm going to bring him back in this. He's lying. Season. He's like a JJ Abrams. Fucking right lying. Fucking mystery liar. box ass. Like, <laughs> it's not con. That's for sure. <laughs> Wink. But um, yeah, I, I was so tempted to bring them all back in this episode, and I was like, I can't do that. Yeah, no, you did it's a just, great thing by not. It's because yeah. it makes me long. It's like edging my yeah, yeah, story yeah. deck. Yeah. It's like gooning my stories. Yeah, you want to see them all together, and seeing them on their own is worse, right? What's gooning? <laughs> Don't look that up. Don't look that up. <laughs> I'm looking it up. No, but like uh, the Goonies. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It's what watching it is. the yeah, Goonies. Yeah. Urban Dictionary. No, there's a, there's like a a missing piece of my heart with those omniverse characters. And getting mm-hmm. to see a few of them was really that that little that little mm, jizz. It made me jizz. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that was it. That was what he was doing when he made That's, that noise. Yeah, that was mm, jizz. <laughs> no, that was that was. That's the uh, sound I make every time I uh, complete. <laughs> I go mm, jizz. I don't like that you called it that. I don't like complete. that you called it complete. He's got a rubber stamp and a book by yeah. his bed. Approved. <laughs> That's the sound my penis makes. Approved. Approved. <laughs> That's when you get a boner. Approved. <laughs> Shouldn't have got that talk boy installed in your dick. We're learning a lot about me today. My kids were bone early. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I love Grissom. It's so cool to see him again. It's wild yeah. how connected uh, things we've seen in the past are to this yeah. particular point in time. It's smart because <laughs> Rich is like, I like writing about this stuff, so why wouldn't there be compare? It's brilliant. He's a brilliant man. He is a brilliant man. He's the he's like biggest the fucking... dick I've ever seen. Oh my god, I haven't seen it, but I could hear it. That's how big it is. Sometimes it's, you have to edit it out when it thumps against the desk. Yeah, I'm like, God damn it, Dick. I'm rich. (laughs) God damn it, Dick Masters. Perfect porn name wasted. (laughs) Yeah, there's still time. Perfect gay porn name. Because my middle. I told you my middle name's Philip, right? So it's Dick Phil Masters, which is even worse. Dick Philip Masters. Yep. That's the most British-ass shit I've ever heard. My, uh... And I just listened to you for 38 minutes. <laughs> That's more British than Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, nothing British is Benedict, whatever his name is. Eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict Cucumberpatch. Do you think that his friends call him that? They probably called him Ben, right? Benny? I call him Benny, and he would get really annoyed at me, but it would be a fun relationship, like, <laughs> dynamic that we had. Fun for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, my whole life. Fun for me. <laughs> Not for everybody else. Uh, right. Okay. Should we take a break? Yeah. No. Uh-oh. I mean, yes. Well, well, okay. two, two to one. We're taking Mutiny. a break. Mutiny. We'll, we'll be right back.
Welcome back, listeners. Um, sometimes you do not know how hard it is to put on a game face and say words and not laugh. Uh, yep. We're back for part two. Um, and Jeff, it's your turn now. Can you please open the door yes. to Spooky Vision? Wait, no, no, no. Wait, that's that. we're going <laughs> to get sued by Paramount again. Oh, fuck. Um, the title of my story is Fear and Loathing in Kirby, Connecticut. Hey. What? I've never heard of it. <laughs> previously on Spooky Vision. Which Another is, previously! Which is the name of my thing on the show, if you didn't know. I barely ever say it, so it's totally understandable. Don't sweat it too much. I wasn't. Violent, undiagnosed psychopath Jason Grace traveled home to speak with his father about his still-missing brother Archie, who eagle-eared viewers know got fucking pulped to death by Cricket Man, but they don't know that shit yet. Mm-hmm. After a heartwarming reunion where no one called anyone a quote-unquote disgusting little missed money shot and or accused anyone of daydreaming about attending a donkey show with the host of History Channel television series Forged in Fire. (laughs) (laughs) That that definitely happened. (laughs) Jason's father gifted him a fireman's axe that's probably like magic or has alien energy or some shit inside of it knowing this (laughs) stupid-ass fucking show. (laughs) Jason then cranked his hog hard and drove off into the actual sunset to escape Jeff Pennington's daddy issues, drowning him on the page. (laughs) Good luck. Meanwhile, across town, every degenerate freak who ever perused a subreddit had gathered in the budget in ballroom and event space for the world's only extremely niche convention for both cryptid fanatics and hackers, the Script Kids and Cryptids Convention. (laughs) Hey, writing a new story is way easier when you just use all the jokes from the last one. I gotta remember that from now on. (laughs) Now you're televisioning. (laughs) Beloved 90s sitcom caricature Dev Darwood III just so happened, through the magic of storytelling, to be the big presenter for the evening. And Jason Grace happened to be in the audience because I'm running out of ways to make these fuckers meet up with each other, so sue me. <laughs> what neither of them counted on, though, was a big scary-ass cockroach squirm to attack them from, the, from some nasty old geezer's fucking pie hole and a bunch of spooky shit happening with the lights and shit, it was fucked. Damn, it's like I'm reliving it over again. We now return you to the continuation of Spooky Vision. (laughs) Dev closed his eyes as tight as he could and covered his ears with his hands, but the sight of thousands of cockroaches crawling towards him like an ocean wave would be seared into his sight for the rest of his life. And there was absolutely no escape from the sound of chittering that filled the hall to bursting beyond its limits. He was screaming like a little bitch loud enough that it drowned it all out a little bit, though. (laughs) Jason swung his axe wildly in the air to and fro, his teeth gritted as its razor-sharp edge swiped fruitlessly at the oncoming horde that had now begun to rise up like water around his legs, all the way up to his thighs deep in cockroaches, which scurried up his body in droves to drown him underneath the weight of their skittering insect bodies. Okay, I hate this. He finally gave in to the driving terror in him and screamed his lungs out as well, his feet losing their purchase beneath him and his entire body toppling over into the writhing mass of insects engulfing the stage. Wow. Close your mouth. Do not open your mouth. The close last your bu- thing... Close your butthole. Close, oh, close your pee hole. Pinch it off with like a clothespin. Ugh. <laughs> 
the last thing Jason Grace and Devin Derwood III heard was laughing? Uh-oh. Dev slowly opened his eyes, fear shambling him and causing him to take his time with the effort. But instead of a red room filled to the brim with cockroaches, he was greeted by the same old half-empty budget hotel event space filled with giggling, hideous nerds that he had been dealing with before any of this happened. Alright, I didn't think this would get scarier, but this... <laughs> it he, rubbed his eyes beneath, he rubbed his eyes beneath his oversized Coke bottle glasses and blinked away any distrust in what he was seeing. The crowd was back, and they were laughing at him. They're freaking out! Ha! Must be Ray Skywalker fans! One pimply-faced oh, teenage nice. boy screeched out, <clears throat> holding up a gigantic cardboard sign that had Ray's severed head labeled New Star Wars dangling from a noose attached to a tree labeled Good wow. Writing. <laughs> political fucking cartooning going on. Even he did not know what he was trying to get across with the sign. <laughs> The crowd nonetheless erupted into laughter at his joke with quotation marks around it. <laughs> What's wrong? Upset we saw through your blatant ruse of so-called evidence for the existence of a giant cricket monster, you charlatan? A heavy middle-aged man with a skullet ponytail stood up, pointing up at the stage with vitriol in his voice. He was wearing a t-shirt which had Bart Simpson on it with a speech bubble coming out from his head that said, Peace in the Middle East? Yeah, right, man. And I'm Ross Perot. <laughs> he had that That's made. an old shirt. Below this were the gigantic numbers 1991 next to a strange, unidentifiable, orangish stain. <laughs> One fairly normal-looking woman stood up and pointed at the stage, clearly the only one not reveling in the failure of a peer enough to miss the blatantly fucking obvious real problem in the room. She screamed out, Holy shit, he's got an axe! <laughs> the room erupted into high-pitched, squeaky screams as the nerds began to bolt in every direction, down every aisle, their arms raised in the air, and those flaps of skin under there just going crazy with the movement. Oh, God... They trampled over each other to head for the emergency exits at the sides of the room, doing a fucking terrible job of it and just constantly slipping and falling over each other. One of the nerds fell over into a boombox that one of the other nerds had brought in order to cosplay as Radio Rahim from Do the Right Thing, which eagle-eyed viewers of that movie will note is a fucking wild thing to cosplay as. <laughs> yeah. That's a... I mean... Yeah. But the nerd who hit the boombox instantly activated it, causing the speakers to block out yakety sacks at full blast. Which is, <laughs> Why was the yakety sacks on? Which, as you can imagine, only added to the hilarity of the situation. <laughs> During all of this, J Jason Grace stood transfixed in place, holding his axe up in the air in a ready-to-swing ready stance that he'd just been a moment earlier trying to home-run swing cockroaches off of him with. What in the flying fuck had happened? Was it some kind of a dream? Did all those years in college experimenting with ketamine finally catch up to him? Yes. <laughs> nah, that's not that. <laughs> Could all those cartoon characters on that VHS tape have been right all along? <laughs> it took him a few more moments before he finally noticed the bull stampede of dweeblings which threatened to shake the stage they stood on under splinters. Not that it wasn't made out of planks of particle board and stacks of highlights magazines underneath or anything, but they didn't know that shit. 
He threw his head back around to stare at Dev, finally lowering his axe down to his side. You saw that, right? He screamed over the din of the crowd and the wailing novelty of comedic saxophone. <laughs> though, though it wasn't much louder than his normal voice, to be real. Yeah, I, I think? Dev squeamishly answered, standing back up to his feet in a real Weeble-esque fashion. <laughs> like a Weeble! He quickly dusted off his overalls, jerkily moving from pose to pose to try to see every part of him to check for roaches with a frantic squeak with every movement. Wah! Wah! <laughs> stop! <laughs> Fucking stop! Jason yelled out, grabbing Dev by the shoulders. If you saw what I saw, then it can't be fake. There really was some old fucker with a belly full of cockroaches just blasting him out of gullet. And blasted him out of his gullet like the reader's mom on a Friday night after ingesting one too many cocktails. And also drinks if you catch my drift. Yeah! What? Dev cried out in return. <laughs> Never mind, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Jason hoisted Dev up by the shoulder of his overalls and placed him on the steps down the side of the st uh, stage stairs. Like he weighed the same as like a couple of grapes. Causing Dev's legs to flail around in the air like when Luigi jumps until he found purchase <laughs> on the ground again. What? But why? Because the cockroach guy is coming back? Dev yelled out, jolting his head around in every direction to see the freaks approach. Nah, because I'm wanted by the police in this town. Jason pushed Dev to move down the steps as he spoke. <laughs> Mama mia, Dev muttered underneath his breath. <laughs> The crowd had mostly dispersed by now, leaving the event space looking pretty spacious indeed. Chairs were laying on their sides all over the place, and there was just a bunch of paper and shit all over the floor. Where do crowds of people get so much fucking paper and shit to just Yo. leave behind when there's a riot anyway? Right? <laughs> like, what is this, a ticker tape parade? Like, where does this paper come from? Well, ticker tape can't be this goddamn cheap. <laughs> anyway... Our heroes, question mark, pressed on through the destruction, through a pair of double doors and into a service hallway at the back of the hall. Jason peered back through the insect glass windows above the door handles, watching as the last few screaming, dweeby stragglers disappeared, never to be seen by polite society ever again, I hope. <laughs> he then motioned down the hall, and both of them went walking together towards the end of it. Ah... So where are we going anyway, Mr. Angry Axe Maniac? Dev asked as politely as he could muster. I'm not really sure yet, Jason said idly, peering back over his shoulder towards the double doors. I'm not going to lie, I was kind of expecting police sirens by now, he said with a little chuckle. Both men then paused in place and stood silently, waiting. They exchanged harried glances for a moment, and when no siren appeared, they began to walk down the hall again. Your slideshow had a photo of a trench coat guy. Had a photo of that trench coat guy from Whitesville in it. Uh, well, when he's like a big bug man thing, anyway. Where'd you get that? Jason broke the silence. Tr trench coat guy. A bunch of paramilitary goons let that monster out of the truck to attack an office building. That's the cricket man. Yeah, he lives. He's not just some guy, he's a cryptid, and I'm going to prove his existence to the whole world, Dev said firmly, <laughs> slapping his fist into his palm. Paramilitary? What the fuck are you dorking about, dweeb? <laughs> Damn, Nelson. There was a reject from the country and western hall of fame who turned into a snake, 
and a wannabe Matrix extra who turned into a gigantic grasshopper, and they fought so hard it blew up a fucking house. What's so hard to understand about all that? Jason snapped. Uh, pretty much all of it, honestly, Dev stuttered out, <laughs> rubbing the side of his head idly, but then immediately perked up. Wait, you're telling me there are more of these cryptids around here? What the fuck? That's not a good thing, you gross little monster pervert. <laughs> these things are fucked, man, Jason spat out angrily, as usual. They almost killed this is redhead racism at its <laughs> finest right here. Look, he's got red hair. That's why he's like this. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Self-loathing, really. They almost killed me and the gross old drunk I was with. And not even for bashing their fr- not even for bashing their friend at a bar for not liking ZZ Top like a civilized person. <laughs> Just for stepping foot into Whitesville. I know where I'm going when I'm no longer kidnapped, Dev exclaimed, not paying attention at all at this point. (laughs) I'm not fucking kidnapping you. Are you listening to me? Jason spat out. Wee-oo-wee-oo-wee-oo, or whatever cop cars sound like. (laughs) The conversation... (laughs) Out of the police. That's what they sound There we go. That's the sound. The conversation was cut off by the oncoming sound of police sirens, and from the echo... Um, more than just a few of them. They were approaching incredibly rapidly as well. Just a couple minutes off, Jason said in defeat. <laughs> but pretty good, honestly, Dev responded. Jason immediately broke out into a sprint, pumping his arms and legs as he made up the distance down the hall towards the other set of double doors at their end. He shouldered the doors wide open when he arrived, sending the heavy mechanical uh, door flying outwards as he did. He found himself at the back of the building, running through a walled-in delivery area where a couple of large delivery trucks were parked. Turning his head to look behind him to see if anyone was following, he was shocked beyond words to find that there was someone hot on his trail. The weird, wiry nerd he'd just left behind in the hall. Why the fuck are you running too? Jason yelled back at Dev in a hoarse (laughs) whisper, trying not to gain any attention beyond the dweeb. Oh, you're asking why a black guy doesn't want to wait around to see the cops? Dev responded between heaving. He's Uh, more afraid than Jason is. Trying his hardest to keep up with Jason running as they passed around the corner of the loading dock and out onto the alley beside the budget end. Jason stopped, placing a hand against the wall and peered around as best he could to figure out where to go next, just as Dev finally caught up to him. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Gotcha. (laughs) Hey... Cab, Dev managed to breathe out. (laughs) Fuck the police, Jason responded, then jerked his head towards the opposite end of the alleyway. Follow me. Bringing people together, man. No, wait, Dev held up a hand to stop him from running off. I know a place where we can hide where no one will find us. It's always deserted, and the owner owes me a favor. Jason looked back at Dev, then towards the other end of the alley, then back again. Ugh, fine, fine. You lead the way, kid. Well, first off, I think we're like the same age. I just didn't get the steroid gene naturally from my family tree like you did, Dev said, (laughs) motioning for Jason to follow him towards the opposite end of the alley. The two of them slunk towards it as quickly as they could. Secondly, my name is Devin Durwood III, but you can call me Dev. My friends call me that. He paused. Don't ask about them. They live in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Jason Grace. I don't really have fucking time to... Jason paused, turning his head back to look at Dev with a scrunched up, confused face. Devin Durwood the third? Is your dad Big Devil Durwood from the 90s Bills? 
What the fuck happened to you? Did you shrink in the wash? Did they forget the rest of you at the hospital? <laughs> Hardy har har. Very funny. Like I said, I missed the burly gym bro genetics that run in the family. But I was gifted with a genius beyond the kin of normal men. And a face card that ranks a 10 out of 10 in everybody's eyes, baby. Oh, man. oh God. Dev mugged for a studio audience that no longer exists in this day and age outside of CW shows that play before anything teenagers like. <laughs> He's doing the suspenders. Yeah. Waggle. Jason grimaced. Where are we going, Dev? <laughs> well, it's just... Dev began, but immediately stopped when the dark blue leftover light that clings to the air just past sunset shifted harshly and violently towards a new morning red. The entire alleyway seemed to breathe in on them, and the opening towards the road in front of them shot closed like an end of a laundry bag drawn tight by the strings. Jason and Dev spun around on their heels, bathed in the virulent red light that they had only experienced just earlier that evening for the first time in their lives. The alley swelled in and out like the lungs of a gigantic breathing beast, and all the sounds had ceased except the horrific grinding of stone on stone in the brick walls. Wow. At the end of the alleyway, far, far away from them now, stood the same gnarled old man that has appeared before them in the convention center. Cockroach man! <laughs> he walked slowly towards them, his gigantic bulging eyes rolling around in their sunken sockets as he took one unnatural step after another, crossing the distance between them like a colossus with each step, though he couldn't have been any taller than five foot five. A little note here. Sorry to all the short kings out there listening. Keep your head up, it adds an inch, I hear. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking tall man fucking talking literally down to the short man. True. I have to punch down. They're so short. Good thing my dick is so big. I don't take any of this personally. The old man shuffled and stumbled towards them like a drunkard, each step carrying him 20 feet easily, and his mouth stretching, stretching across his face, the skin at its edges tearing and bleeding from the unnatural growth. Jason grasped the haft of his fireman's axe once again, drawing it from the duffel bag that hung loosely from his shoulder like a knight unsheathes his mighty sword, <laughs> dangling it at his side at the ready. The shivering husk of a man approached and whimpered words that barely squeaked audibly past his gnashing over large teeth, which grinded against one another painfully, his voice barely a hoarse whisper, Let's remember together. Dev was terrified beyond all reason, his entire body quaking with a fear that threatened to shake him apart from the inside. But still, he noticed something that Jason did not. Something that Jason could not. A memory which welled up within him all at once, though it felt like something he had been keep it had been kept from him from a long, long time. The memory of a trip to his grandmother's house when he was a child. A small old doll, which had once looked like a dapper blonde gentleman with a bowler, that had withered with time and disuse to become a decrepit little old man with a beaked nose. This is this a fucking haunted doll? Fuck this story. <laughs> he had reached out to pick it up when cleaning the attic, though his grandma had warned him not to. As his hand had brushed over it, the doll's old felt mouth had been forced open, stitching ripping around its face to reveal a perpetual onslaught of a dozen cockroaches pouring from their hiding place within. Oh, God! <laughs> he had never felt fear like that before in his life. Jason, oh my God, it's... 
But Jason's axe crashed down into the shivering old man's forehead in that exact moment anyway. The crushing weight of the blow pulped the front of the old freak's face, sending it splintering in twain and causing his body to begin convulsing almost immediately. Nice. The hideous shriek which escaped it was almost instantly followed by a sizzling, violent burning from within the wound. The blade of the axe seemingly setting the old creature alight within a couple of seconds of touching it. Jason yanked the axe back out of the wound and watched as the burning within the body began to spread like wildfire across its smashed and battered face, down its neck and through its jagged, misshapen limbs until nothing was left in its wake except a pile of smoldering ash on the ground. Never mind, Dev muttered. Not important. Both men caught the sight of a strange flickering in the air in front of them and squinted hard in the blood-red darkness of the alleyway to make out what it was. Both had somehow figured in their subconscious thoughts that destroying the thing would release them from this scarlet-tinted hellscape, but here they both stood, still trapped within it. The glinting of metal passed to and fro in the air, and suddenly Dev knew what he was looking at. Wires. Four long silver steel wires which were being wound up into the air and away from them. Dev followed the path of them as well as he could, unable to keep up with the speed, but at their apex, directly in line with a blood-red moon which hung low in the sky above them, he caught just the slightest flash of something there, so high in the sky as to be nearly invisible. And then it was gone. It was all gone. Jason and Dev were standing in the middle of an alleyway that had nothing strange or supernatural about it in the least any longer. What the fuck just... Jason wobbled on his feet, clutching the fireman's axe to his chest as he gawked at where the corpse he had burnt from the inside out with a fucking axe somehow had once been laid, but no longer. Did I... did I kill it? I don't think so. Dev rubbed his face with both his hands. seeking some kind of normalcy and comfort from it as he tried to steal his nerves. It was some kind of puppet, I think? There were wires controlling it from really high up. That's what those flashing glints of silver were? Jason turned to stare at Dev in astonishment. Those glasses must be as fucking telescopic as they look. God damn. (laughs) The sound of sirens was no longer in the distance. They had settled on the other side of the hotel complex from them. It was plain to hear that they weren't going to be alone for very much longer. Let's go. Follow me. Dev called out, turning and running out of the alley at full speed without even looking both ways. Which could get your dumb ass killed, so don't do it at home, idiot. Yeah, kids, do your homework. Stay in school. (laughs) Brush your teeth. (laughs) A few action-packed scenes later that I'm not writing, and Jason and Dev had arrived at the safe spot that Dev had been talking up as impenetrable and perfectly protected the entire time they'd been heading in this direction. Uncle Otis's dead-ass animals emporium and coffee house. <laughs> Got them both in one shot. Eat my ass. <laughs> and telephoning it in, store. <laughs> you gotta be fucking my shit with this bullshit, Jason bumbled low and quiet as the two of them slid through the all-glass front door with the soft jingle of a bell over it. You're kind of a gross guy, Jason, Dev returned. <laughs> Just as hushed as the door slid closed on a spring behind them. The front room of the taxidermy shop had a half dozen small round tables with two chairs on either side. A couple big comfy chairs and even a couch, just like any coffee house would have. But its walls were lined with every type of animal you could possibly hunt, and a few of them you couldn't. That's so weird. This is so weird. Bear. 
So weird. Bears, wolves, foxes, rabbits, elk, moose, even a buffalo, though. That was probably pretty frowned on in this day and age, considering what we did to them. R.I.P. They're back. It's fine. We're proudly (laughs) stuffed and on display everywhere around them. You brought me to a fucking dead animal corpse parlor, and I'm the gross one for using colorful language sometimes? (laughs) You're a goddamn nut, Jason scoffed. Uncle Otis, are you here? Dev called out, hands cupped around his mouth. The sudden shrill loudness caused Jason to flinch, though he played it off the best he could. (laughs) Is that my favorite nephew out chair right now? A booming southern drawl exploded from within the back of the shop. The swinging doors at the uh, back of the dining area burst open, and from within it came a gigantic white man with greasy gray hair and an oversized handlebar mustache, with the biggest smile on his face you could imagine. (laughs) He stomped over in his oversized hunting boots and scooped Dev up into a big bear hug against his greasy old apron he wore over a Hawaiian shirt and khaki shorts. (laughs) I ain't seen you in an age, kiddo. (laughs) Australia. Yeah. No, I just failed at that. Anyway, he's not my actual <laughs> uncle, Dev said matter-of-factly, returning Uncle <laughs> Otis's big hug with a big smile of his own. Oh, for real? Jason said with rueful sarcasm in his voice. <laughs> now, what brings you here on this fine evening, Dev, my boy? You looking for a nice cup of coffee or a rat? Uncle Otis made a sweeping <laughs> hand gesture. He really has it all. At a display of 12 different type of rats, right next to the percolator. Like, fucking right next to it. Jason (laughs) tried not to retch. (laughs) No thanks, Uncle Otis. Not this time. We're just looking for a place to cool our heels until the heat dies down, (laughs) Dev said covertly, hand covering half his mouth. (laughs) Heat from what, kiddo? You in some kind of hot water I don't know about? Otis leaned in closer, obviously kind of excited by the prospect of trouble coming his way. Oh, yeah. We're being pursued by some kind of wily cryptid I've never even seen before. Dev immediately came alive with the excitement of a weaselly little dweeb talking about their special interest. (laughs) You know I know all my cryptids, too. I studied them every night while all my classmates were putting each other's genitals inside of each other. I had plenty of time to learn, but I've never even caught a glimpse of this one yet. (laughs) The moment Dev began to speak about cryptids, the light in Uncle Otis's eyes dimmed completely and all the excitement (laughs) left his face. He just became nodding his head and letting out a tired, "Uh uh-huh, every couple seconds. (laughs) Jason suddenly liked this old grease slinger just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just want a couple of cups of coffee and maybe an access to a private room if you catch my drift. We got 5-0 behind us and not a lot of ideas in front of us if you follow me, Jason said with a wry smile. Uncle Otis looked back and forth between Jason and Dev and then shrugged a little. If you want a room to fuck in without your parents finding out, you could have just asked, Dev, he said matter-of-factly. I ain't standing in the way of love of any kind, so just follow me. What the fuck? I'm not fucking this nerd. Have you seen me? I'm hot as fucking shit, dude. I could get a way better twink than this. Jason blurted out in anger pretty instantly. He's not wrong. Fist balling at his sides. Dev looked a little offended, but mostly understood. (laughs) We just need a place to figure out our next move is all, Uncle Otis. You understand from your old wheeling and dealing days, right? Dev said with a sly wink. Of course, of course, Uncle Otis said with a big wink. Just clean up after you're done railing on each other. <laughs> <laughs> he then turned 
He then turned and walked to the back of the dining room, holding the swinging door open and motioning them to go through. Jason seethed a little as he walked into the back, hands shoved into the pockets of his jacket and his head down. Deb just went on in. (laughs) Uncle Otis ushered them into a fairly large storage area at the back of his shop. As you can imagine, it was a horrific mishmash of foodstuffs, coffee ingredients, and the purposefully stuffed corpses of dead animals. Which is someone's shit out there. I just couldn't have fucking imagined who. Otis <laughs> who was flicked the on person a... who recommended these? Yeah. <laughs> Otis <laughs> flicked on a light in the middle of the room, a bulb dangling under a heavy metal shade, and the room illuminated with lights here and there over its lengthy, impressive uh, its length, which impressively must have been a quarter of a football field. You look that up. I'm not doing it. Twenty five yards. <laughs> Damn, Uncle Otis, this place is massive. Who's your real estate agent around here to get a place this huge? Jason said with a smirk and a shake of his head. I got a, I got a special in with the biggest agent in the area. They call her the Queen Bee, even, Uncle Otis oh, said no. with a goofy smile. <laughs> Anyways, I'll let you boys at it. Animal grease is on shelf 19 if you get chafy. Good night. Uh. Uh, then he was out to slam the door shut behind him, leaving only the echo of his words dangling in the air. There was a moment of silence as Dev looked around excitedly at all the dead ephemera placed here and there awaiting stuffing, and Jason stood dumbfounded and quiet. Animal grease? He finally whispered out incredulously. <laughs> Anyway, I know a lot about the people behind all this. That was a big part of my presentation if you were paying attention, Dev said with a slight snort of arrogance in his voice. (laughs) Well, I wasn't, Jason returned flatly. (laughs) These cryptids are controlled by an organization called Gestalt. They're some kind of a scientific research cabal with a ton of connections all over the states. I can't even begin to tell you what all they've been involved in over the years. It would blow your little pea brain right out of the pointed top of that hard head of yours. (laughs) You're going to say Adam's pee hole. I vote you, uh... Like Rich said. Dev gestured wildly as he spoke. I got tons of files on them back at my house. You can come visit and Mom will make us s'mores if she's not too sleepy and needs her mommy juice. (laughs) Oh, oh, and I got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, too. We can play. All right, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Look, I don't really care about literally any of that, Jason said (laughs) flatly, looking around the room apprehensively the whole while. My brother went missing in Whitesville a few weeks ago, along with two of his friends. I want answers for what happened to him, and I want to bring him home safe. That's all I give a shit about in any of this. Um, Dev looked at the food and rubbed his chin trying to think of exactly how... Uh, looked around the room. What the fuck am I typing? Dev looked around the room and rubbed his chin, trying to think of exactly how to go about what he needed to say next. Um, I know we haven't really known each other very long, Jason, and you don't really know whether to trust me yet or not, but um, Jason turned to face Dev, not saying anything, but showing he had his attention finally. Well, Dev began again, then cleared his throat. Gestalt, well... It, they don't really take prisoners or anything. They they kidnap people all the time, but they 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 turn them into those things, the cryptids. Um. The fuck are you saying to me right now? Jason raised his shoulders up, his fists tightening at his sides a little, and his entire body tensing. Now let's not resort to fisticuffs. I'm just the messenger. Dev held his hands up to protect himself. <laughs> 
Tell me what you gotta tell me before I get real fucking angry, Durwood, Jason yelled, already obviously real fucking angry. (laughs) (laughs) Clank, clank, clank. The sound of metal hitting metal and reverberating through the room cut off the conversation. This kind of thing happens like in every single one of my fucking stories. You should be used to it by now. I'm never used to it. (laughs) But Jason and Dev weren't and both shot up straight with fear. Yo, who the fuck is there? Jason screamed out, his veins <laughs> popping out of his neck from the raging strain at this point. Take a breath, man. <laughs> Jason? A small voice filtered through the huge room, oh, barely no. audible, but still enough to send an immediate jolt of shock through Jason's body. He took one step back, his hands dropping from fists at his side and his jaw dropping open. Who is that? Dev muttered out, looking between Jason and where the voice had come from. I've been... I've been waiting for you to find me, Jason. I've been so scared. The soft, small voice rode the wind to their ears, and Jason began to shake slightly in place. It's... It's okay, man. You can come out. I'm here now. I'm not going anywhere. I've got you, Jason called out, with a newfound softness in his voice, walking towards the direction of the sound. Dev followed slowly behind, a deep feeling of unease welling up within his chest. (laughs) The two of them passed around the corner of one large set of shelves, completely covered with animal carcasses, furs, and taxidermied animals. Several of them jauntily posed, holding coffee cups and some kind of fucked up macabre (laughs) marketing scheme, long since abandoned by Uncle Otis. (laughs) But beyond them, standing still in the middle of the aisle, was a young boy, no older than twelve, wearing a Little League baseball uniform with a windbreaker on top of it, with dusty blonde hair dangling over his eyes loosely. He looked pleadingly towards Jason, tears in his eyes and his arms reaching for him. You finally found me, the little boy said, holding back his tears. Archie! It's my little brother Archie! Jason let out an an emotional outburst that wasn't fueled by anger for once, immediately beginning to jog the distance between him and his little brother with a widening smile on his face. (laughs) Dev couldn't help but notice, even through this beautiful familial reunion, that his feeling of unease hadn't abated at all. It had grown exponentially the closer Jason got to Archie, and the light in the distance behind them had begun to flicker red. (gasps) To be continued. No! no, Archie is a cricket monster! Fucking blue balling (laughs) motherfucker. Or is he? You have to tune in to find out. Mate, right, there, I, is, I, I, there is big Georgie from Air Energy yes, on this thing. Yes. <laughs> we all float down we here, all Jason. Float down I mean, here, J- Jason, is, Jason deserves to die. If you can't recognize that threat, he deserves to die. I'm Damn. just saying. Wow. I'm this just saying. Redhead racism is yeah, really. Just because he's redheaded? Jesus. You know what? If, yeah. uh, if Evan was in a windbreaker. Saying, "Oh, I missed you, Dad." I'd be like, "Right, where's my baseball bat?" <laughs> Jesus, he was wearing That's... a windbreaker when he disappeared. You dumb dumb. Don't give a shit. <laughs> if you I turn don't give up a shit. If my son bought a windbreaker, I would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> no son of mine's breaking wind. <laughs> you feel that wind against your skin like we all just used to do in the old days. <laughs> Creepy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to stay warm, pussy ass bitch. Stop being creepy, you little fucker. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, that was good. Yeah, Thank you. I uh, 
I love Jason. I don't know what you guys are saying. He's great. I, He's the only one who knows what's going on. Writing like, Jason is so fucking fun. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Jeff gets Sorry. all his anger out at the, at the it's world in, yeah, as through it's, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice conduit. It's, it's a, there's a catharsis to writing Jason. Yeah. That I, got a, I got some of that from Kayla Hunter as well. Mm-hmm. But Jason is like completely unleashed. It's I, funny when a character is like, this world is fucked yeah, up. Like that's yeah. always funny. Yeah, there's a there's a sort of like um, you can really easily a get across a joke and b just yep. bury anything you don't give a shit about in a yep. character that uh, <laughs> understands that something is messed up. And then up. you have the opposite, like Yumi, who just is like just the <laughs> distillation of the world itself, just insane. Yeah. That's hey, true. he's a regular human being. I mean, exa- exactly. <laughs> Which I guess is, this season, last season was definitely Pavlov Flinch, and this mm-hmm. season is Dips, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of miss Pavlov, though. Like, he's in jail right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I kind of miss, like, the disgusting wretch that he is. <laughs> I've, I've been debating with myself for weeks and weeks now, ever since I decided Flinch was going to go to jail and Jason mm-hmm. wasn't. Is Jason going to bother going back for no, Flinch? No, definitely not. Why, Why would he? Fuck it, yeah. Jason isn't a bad guy. I wouldn't say he's a great guy, but he's not a bad guy. But if you met Flinch in the street, you'd naturally assume that he was wanted for some sort of crime, right? Oh. It's also yeah. true that Flinch didn't help him at all. Yeah, exactly. When, they, when he was working for I'm pretty sure Flinch is a patter ass. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Just I would never, I would never write such a character. Pretty sure. Flinch has probably subtext. never you had don't need sex. To write it. Yeah, he's definitely never had sex. <laughs> well, that, that's probably the part, part of the problem. Get this man a Flinch goes, real doll. Flinch goes to sex workers, and they're like, "No thanks." Mm. Yeah, pass. <laughs> they get their one like they have a monopoly one get out of one fuck free card. <laughs> they just they just write on the monopoly get out of jail free card and give it to him. And he believes it every time. He's like it's it's the law. Makes he should sense have to me. He should have one of those in his wallet, trying to desperately get out of prison at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I have this to redeem. It's legally binding. <laughs> You have a you have a monopoly on being police, so it's legally binding. <laughs> it's a verbal contract. <laughs> I'm a sovereign citizen. He's like his arm is hanging out of the cell towards them. Shake my hand. If you shake my hand, it means you have to agree. You accept. Um, I can't believe you've done a three part. Are you maniac? I'm. Yeah, I am a awesome. maniac. I love it, man. Fuck it. Fuck, dude, fuck all. Fuck status quo. Fuck it. Zeitgeist. We're going three-party, bitch. <laughs> if you got a free party, is that what you're telling me? No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only one man was crazy enough to do a three-parter. <laughs> a three-peat. Right, should we take a break? I don't know what I'm asking you. Yeah. We're going to take a break. And we'll be Whoa. right back. He's taking control. <laughs> All right, fucking. Fulham would have done that during World War II, am I right? <laughs>
everyone. Not had enough yet? Good. It's part three. Uh, Jesus, Josh. nice and short. Yeah, <laughs> I, I normally get sick and tired of introing by the third part. I'm sure people have wow. noticed that. Um, wow. I, get, I mean, tell us how you really feel. I get, no, no, it's just the intro bit. I just want to get the story, get to the story. You got one job, motherfucker. <laughs> this guy hates introing, but he loves it, but he hates it. I, I love it at the start. I get more and more sick and tired of it by the time the third part goes Je- along. Other like, Jeff. How do I start? <laughs> Every time I call you Jeff. It's a human condition, man, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Coming Josh. up next is Josh Henderson. Everyone clap, please. Clap, please. <laughs> All right. My story this week is called, of taxidermy and coffee, is called The Hot Brown Hand of Justice. Nice. The moons hung over Darinos like that time my balls hung over your face when you were asleep. You didn't notice, but there they were, giant and looming. (laughs) (laughs) Ugla, Demi, Squib, and Buffcat all slept soundly on the forest floor. The night was cool, cooler than what Buffcat and Demi had been used to. Demi curled up under Buffcat's left arm and Squib under his right. Don't, don't put that dance one there, Daddy! Squib yelled out, obviously having that reoccurring nightmare again. The one where his father makes him stand on top of the family's all sea ball and uses a dance wand to make him move to get clear reception. Oh, <laughs> Classic God child abuse. damn. The morning was soon upon them, but one of the group was not restful. Ugla sat up, having had little to no sleep. She rubbed the bridge of her nose and wiped the brie out of her beard. This was the second night in a row she couldn't go to sleep. On her mind was the weight of the world, and all that she had for companions were an orphan, a goblin with PTSD, and admittedly the strongest cat and possibly strongest being ever to live. (laughs) That was good, but she could use Sid. She let out a long sigh. Sid, she said under her breath. She looked up at the stars and wondered if Sid was looking at them too. If he could see them, the pollution in Grawl was pretty bad. What with the stink lines coming off little orc spire. (laughs) Just never-ending stank fart sounds mixed with foghorns going off in that place. Because that place smells worse than your mama's front butt. That place really let itself go. Matter of fact, (laughs) does anyone even go there anymore? Does anyone even think about it anymore? What was I talking about? (laughs) Oh, you were talking about my mama's front butt. That's right, that's right, sorry. (laughs) Cock-a-doodle screw! A Meccano rooster heralded the dawn. Wow. (laughs) He then busted out a little tiny trumpet and played that army trumpet song that they play when they want you to do push-ups or, and run around and play army man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh, Ugla winced at the sound. She squinted her one eye to meet the sun piercing through the foliage. I almost said foliage. Demi stretched her arms above her head and yawned. Ugla was already moving to pack up her bedding and uh, put out the fire. Buffcat awoke with a jolt and did the zoomies around camp for a hot second. <laughs> Buffcat was a morning person. Something something Ugla was not. Squib slipped through all of this as he curled himself into a fetal position and was now dreaming about farm farm boy and whimpering. <laughs> maybe one day he'd tell his kids about farm boy. Or maybe he'd just take that memory to his grave, 
always leaving a wedge between he and his loved ones. So them sensing that there was always something more that Squib wasn't telling them until it was too late. They'd have to, then they'd have to pull out the pull the plug on Squib's all heart ball machine, <laughs> monitor machine, whatever, and end the nightmares for good. <laughs> Jesus. Damn, Squib, going through some shit. Good morning, Ugla. Demi said politely. Ugla uh, moved a strand of uh, from. Ugla moved a strand of Demi's hair from her eyes. She had so much energy. The world hadn't yet sucked the life from her eyes, and uh, <laughs> the world hadn't yet sucked the life from her eyes and soul. <laughs> Josh wrote this in a pretty dark space. I was in a bad. I was in a bad mood. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Have you fed Jelly yet? Ugla asked. No, he doesn't want to eat bread anymore. I think he has a taste for human flesh after we save that town. <laughs> Demi looked into her pack at Jelly, who was still little yet. He curled in, he curdled in excitement at her voice. Curdled? <laughs> <laughs> well, I found this old set of keys in that tower we visited. Maybe he'll like those. Ugla reached into her pack and pulled out a circular ring of skeleton keys and tossed it into the backpack that was Jelly's own little mobile apartment. The keys jingled around as Jelly ferociously devoured them, <laughs> the pack jostling and moving wildly as he did. Then, with a final burp, he was fed. Ugla leaned wearily against her staff. Sandals the sword zooped back into cat form, only to see that it was morning, and zoop herself right back into sword form at the <laughs> side of the sun. <laughs> Looks like we could all use some breakfast and a pick-me-up, Ugla said, fighting back another yawn. I'm sick of eating bread, too, Demi said as she slung her flame sword onto her back. <laughs> but I sure as butts ain't gonna eat no key ring. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We have to... That's okay. We have that map we took from those foodies who decided to eat the Cave of Bapples. <laughs> it was just sitting there on one of those chairs, remember? Ugla pulled out an old map. <laughs> yeah, Demi giggled. That one chair still had that petrified face on it. Or that one foodie etched into it. Ah! Demi contorted her face trying to make herself look all like the chair with the face and laughed. Ah, the circle of life, she said. <laughs> Ugla pointed at the map. There, she said, pointing to a small dot. Katsopolis's B and B and B, she read out loud. <laughs> the third B stands for brew, she continued. Meow, 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 Buffcat chirped. Maybe, Ugla replied, but it could just be a name. I haven't seen another Catman around these parts since. Buffcat lowered his head sadly, causing Ugla to catch herself. Anyway, if I know my bees, that second B should mean breakfast. <laughs> Maybe I'll get some terror bird eggs with enema sauce. She licked her lips <laughs> <laughs> as the sound Delicious. of their stomachs growled. Buffcat was trying... Buffcat was tying a rope around Squib and preparing to drag him all the way to the town. <laughs> we're, we're not going to growl, Squib finally said, waking up. As he stood, the rope dangled from his neck loosely. We're going to a fancy triple B, Demi said excitedly, not really knowing what that was. This is like... The fifth episode, we did not make it to Grawl. We've been traveling for like 20 episodes now. <laughs> Something tells me you're avoiding going back and seeing your ex-boyfriend, Squib said stingingly. No, no, Ugla shot back. And he's not my ex-boyfriend, he's my... 
you. Buffcat chimed in. Exactly. Thank you, BC. And besides, a wizard never <laughs> avoids anything. She procrastinates pre- pre- precisely when needed. <laughs> <laughs> And I told you I don't need my toddler leash anymore. I'm a big boy now, Squib yelled as he tossed the rope on the ground and stomped on it. <laughs> Mew. Buffcat agreed and then folded up a chair that had once been a foodie. Oh, God, don't <laughs> fold me. I'm not a folding chair now. Ah, Jesus, fuck. He would scream to nobody but himself. The horror of being trapped as a chair surpassed only by the horrors of being alone with his own thoughts for eternity or until someone has an estate sale and sells him to a trash man or those college kids who do moving in the summer for extra cash. (laughs) Sure. And here we are, the village of Fame Inn, Uglis said, after hours of boring walking and no exposition. (laughs) She looked at the map and lowered it to take in the quirkiness of the village. But when she did, she saw a practical ghost town, and and coincidentally, a foghorn went off. (laughs) Ooh. Ah, Demi said in wonder. I love all the gray and sadness. (laughs) You, Buffcat said, looking at the map. What kind of name is Fame in? Squib nosed his way into the map. Agba! Squib shouted. This says famine, not Fame in. <laughs> this town is marked as being under a famine. Great, grand, wonderful. Squib is the voice of reason and literacy. We're doomed. We're <laughs> fucked. We're doomed, fucked, Squib said, pacing back and forth. Wait, look over there, Demi uh, pointed through the fog. Uh, a fog of depression at an inn that was lit up and glowing, lively as the day it was open. That must be the Killer Beast Tavern. <laughs> <laughs> yes, come one, come all. A giant megaphone in the shape of a man's head turned to face the travelers. Welcome to Katsopolis's B and B and B. Enter at your own peril, for your hunger may be slayed. <laughs> wow, Ugla said, impressed at this blatant display of capitalist insensitivity. <laughs> does it say other things, or does it just repeat? Yes, come one, come all. Welcome to Katsopolis's. Okay, I already hate this. Let's go in. Ugla cut it off. The talking mega head. As they stepped into the triple B, the waft of breakfast hit their nostrils like the waft of my jizz hit your mama's face last night. (laughs) (laughs) It wafted over. Yeah. The smell of exotic spices and cooking meats tugged at their nostrils like a stink hand from an unwatched windowsill pie. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, Demi, Squib, and Buffcat said in unison, except Buffcat said Mew. (laughs) Ugla closed her eyes eyes and tried to identify every delicious smell. This is what they needed. A good home-cooked meal and coffee? She smelled it clear as day, like in that commercial where the brother comes home for Christmas to fuck his little sister. I think she gets stuck inside a coffee machine or something? I don't remember. What? You don't know that they didn't have that commercial in the UK? No, no, no. Incest and coffee don't go well together here. Mm, I mean, speak for your British self. (laughs) I will. 
Hello and welcome. I am Burgundy Katsopolis, owner and caretaker of this establishment. May I start you off with some coffee? Looking directly into Ugla's eyes when saying it. Yes, dear God, yes, Ugla shouted. <laughs> I'll have what she's having, a kobold sitting with his wife in the corner <laughs> Burgundy Katsopolis was no catman. He was just a normal human man who was balding and wore an apron. Clearly, he had managed to keep his business alive when the rest of the town was flailing and, well, dying. Coming right up, he said with a with, and then spun around with a flourish. The gang sat in silence, taking in all that the tavern had to offer. Comforts that they had missed being out on the road and sleeping under the stars. All around were mounted heads of animals that had presumably been hunted for the tavern's food. Mew, mew, Buffcat said uncomfortably. Oh, it's okay, big kitty, Demi, Demi said, petting him. I'm sure they only have regular, non-sentient living beings. Demi was cut short at the sight of an orc's head mounted above the doorway. Under the head was a plaque that read, Zark the Beheader, and then below that, in quotes, Old Irony Sides. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic, because he's the beheader. <laughs> Yeah. Get, did you get yeah. it? Well, you that it. joke is less funny now, but... Five hours! <laughs> five house special coffee... Oh, I gotta read it in the voice. Five house special coffees for my new favorite customers, Burgundy interrupted. The coffee cups clanged and tinged gently against each other as he carried them. But but there's only four of us, Squib said. Well, well, I'm sure your little gelatinous friend wouldn't mind some of our finest morning brew, he said as he placed down a tiny, almost doll-sized cup for jelly and placed a tiny skeleton key into it as a stirrer. Aww. Aw, Jelly, you're a real customer now, Daddy said, picking him <laughs> out of his pack and hugging him. They each took a long sniff of the coffee and sighed in almost sheer orgasmic pleasure. They blew on the steam to cool off the brown liquid as much as I suspect Rich blows on his various brown liquids he consumes for sustenance every meal, <laughs> ingestible or otherwise. <laughs> Still trying to get Meat Brown or whatever that restaurant was called for our sponsor. Sponsor us, Meat Brown! It needs the, the business. <laughs> Meatbox. 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 <laughs> Meatbox. Uh, that was close, me brown. <laughs> As they took their first sips of coffee, they were transported to hot brown heaven. Not to be confused with the porn site of the same name. Lots of sisters getting stuck inside of coffee machines on that site. <laughs> oh, sweet mother of milky mammary, Squib said as his legs shook like a dog's. <laughs> Buffcat said as he set his cough down daintily and began to purr. <laughs> I'd suck this coffee out of a dead dog man's dick vein. <laughs> that is one fine cup of coffee, Ugla said, toasting to Burgundy. It's all right, Debbie said, smooshing up her face in disapproval. The entire tavern gasped. <laughs> what? I said it was I. <laughs> Demi, looked, Demi looked around nervously. It's a, it's a lot of caffeine, and I'm more of a tea girl. Tea and this neon green sewer jello we used to gather from the scum collectors called Mountain Dew? That's delicious. 
Well, wait, where? Who am I, who's reading it? Oh, well, may I suggest you weary travelers stay the night? We have many rooms available. We have a room with a giant heart-shaped tongue, tub, uh, tub for the young couple. Virgin, uh, Burgundy looked at Ugla and Squib. Oh, oh, fuck me. I just ate. With those lack of horns? No, thanks. <laughs> <Squibber>. <laughs> no, thanks. We'll just pay and be on our way. We have a hot date with the big city, Ugla said, throwing some coinage onto the wooden table. Are you sure? It's already evening, Burgundy pointed out to the nearest window. And indeed, it was evening. What? But... Ugla shook her head and rubbed it. We... We must be in need of rest. We have been traveling a long time. Good, good, Burgundy said, rubbing his hands together. (laughs) (laughs) Now off to Betty Bar you go. If you need a nightcap, just all seaball us by pressing pound, asterisk, devil horns, 69, (laughs) weed leaf, two planes crashing into the Twin Towers emoji. Yeah, yes, that's that's okay. Yes, good. Okay. Ugla started to wobble as she and the others made their way upstairs. Above them, the head of a tit bear, tit like the bird, gazed down on them lifelessly until they passed. Then its eyes moved to peer down at them. No one noticed. I'm not tired, like, at all. I had all that coffee. Demi tugged on Burgundy's apron. <laughs> hey, do you want to know what happens in the future? <laughs> do you? I can tell you when you're. Do, I can tell you when you're gonna die. Uh, probably. Did you? <laughs> did you kill all those animals, or did you just buy them at a yard sale? I bet they're hard to dust, and they look dusty. You should dust them. <laughs> I use pledge, but I don't think you have pledge yet. Maybe use some kind of magic dust spell, or make all the brooms and stuff come alive and do all the dusting for you, like in that movie. Silence, annoying child, Burgundy snapped. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. If you are tired, may I suggest you help out by washing the dishes? (laughs) Upstairs, Ugla put on her nightgown robes and slid into the warm sheets of the bed. She yawned again. She was more tired than she had ever had been. How many... And Wait, how had they gotten there again? Weren't they... Weren't they doing something? She shot up. No, this this isn't right. She went to the window and flung back the curtains. Out sh- outside, she could see time pass at many hundred percents faster, like that scene at the end of Gangs of New York, but not stupid. <laughs> what was the point of that anyway? God, oh, like, oh man, gangs existed during the Civil War in New York. Isn't that crazy? No, it isn't. And nobody gives a fuck about New York. Stop fondling New York's balls, Scorsese. We get it. You're from New York. So <laughs> At least it wasn't a, a real, rat sitting on a... It's a real Philadelphia thing to be saying. <laughs> <clears throat> At least it wasn't a rat sitting on a railing at the end of the movie. How is that even symbolism? The rat didn't even have a gun! Hugla <laughs> <laughs> drew back the curtains and started to wobble again. I have to find Puffcat and sleep. Must bed. She stumbled and fell onto the bed, face planting into the covers. Sandal zooped into cat form and meowed, pawing at her face, but to no avail. Meow. Sandals <laughs> cried and then just laid on top of Ugla's head. <laughs> the 
This stinks fart holes, Demi said <laughs> as she was on her fifth load of dishes. Wish I could make all the brooms come alive and do the dishes and shove up that guy's beehole so far he got splinters in his throat, she said under her breath. Mew. A ghostly mew cried on the wind. BC, did you come down here for some more hot brown? Demi said over her shoulder. She turned to look, but nothing. With a shrug, she went back to washing bowls. <laughs> Mew! Another cry. Another Again, another cat cry uh, on the wind. Demi stopped what she was doing. She hadn't seen Scooby-Doo and she had seen enough Scooby-Doo episodes to know that something spooky was afoot. <laughs> she squinted her eyes and tried to listen with every part of her body. Mew. The cry again shot through her like a cold shower. She dropped the bowl into the bucket and made her way over to the wall. It's coming from inside the wall. I'll save you, wall kitty! <laughs> Demi said, wiping her hands off on her apron. She reached back to unsheath her flame sword and smashed through the wall, but then she thought about what Ugla had taught her. Don't go smashing through walls because insurance doesn't always pay for it. <laughs> Remember, if there's a candlestick, that will surely open it, she said robotically. <laughs> I really thought you were about to say, don't go smashing through the walls. <laughs> <laughs> that would suit. <laughs> On the other side of the wall was indeed a candlestick. When Demi turned it, the wall gave way to a set of stone stairs which led into a basement. I'm coming for you, basement kitty! Demi said, unsheathing her sword for reals this time. Upstairs, Buffcat woke with a start. He too had heard the muse of sadness. With everything he had, he fought to wake up, his cat nature fighting him at every turn. He managed to make his way to the doorway leading out to the hallway, but when he tried to turn the handle, it was locked from the outside. Mew, 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 he said. <laughs> I love how Buffcat's become chopper, and I can understand what he's saying. Yeah. You can hear it, yeah. Then, sick of this shit, he simply balled up his giant fist and smashed through the door. <laughs> Oi! That cat man's drawing escape, said a kobold as he held out his spear. <laughs> Buffcat grinned a toothy grin. The sound of dozens of kobolds running up the wooden stairs echoed through the long hallway. Mew, 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 Buffcat said with a smile. <laughs> Back down in the basement, Demi could hardly see. If only I had a flame of some kind. Oh, duh, stupid, she said, igniting her flame sword. Its glow lit up the room of hor its glow lit up a room of horrors. All around were stuffed cat men with various tubes and liquids being either pumped into or out of their bodies. Meow Buffcat's battle cry roared through the tavern. The kobolds charged. Buffcat swung his axe downward, cutting a kobold in twain. Two days. Until retirement, the kobold whined as two halves split apart, revealing every organ and artery like in a science book. <laughs> Another kobold threw his spear, and it landed, nearly missing Buffcat's ear. He hissed with rage, pried the spear from the wall, and used it like a toothpick at a cocktail, cocktail party, skewering five kobolds at once. He then bent the spear into a, with his huge muscle, muscles into a circle so that the kobolds would run into each other and have to work together as a team to move. <laughs> they learned the true meaning of teamwork that day until they each died slowly horrible, painful deaths from blood loss. 
That sucks. Just comforting for them in the last moments. Yeah. They had friends. It's good not to be alone. (laughs) Buffcat then used a dead kobold like a hammer and recreated the hallway hammer scene from Old Boy. The good one. Not the one starring Thanos where he doesn't fuck his own daughter. Lots of that going on lately. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What is the point of the movie then? What is this, a British coffee advert? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no no incest no thank you slow clap <laughs> very good little troublemaker said a voice in the darkness Demi pointed her sword toward the sound and saw Burgundy Katsopolis standing in full evil warlock regalia you she shouted I should have known anyone who could make coffee that good would be evil. Burgundy (laughs) chuckled. But that is the whole point, my dear. Burgundy ran a thin finger, a thin long finger down a tube into one of the cat man's mouths. You saw this town. It's dead. Fresh for the taking. And you're some evil magic guy, Demi shouted, trying to sound tough. (laughs) God. I'm a warlock child, and this is no tavern. With a snap, uh, with a snap and an explosion of power, the walls of the tavern, inside and out, gave way and fell down like a movie set. Outside, the tavern's exterior was replaced by a cold stone tower, an evil tower. <laughs> <laughs> the sign of the tavern was replaced with a new sign, an evil sign. <laughs> and on that sign read the words, "Evil Tower." Just covering all the bases. This place is villainous. It's evil. But, Demi frowned, why even go to all this trouble to make this place look like a tavern? I mean, the town looks depressing enough. An evil tower would fit right in if you really think about it. I was a theater major, major, and I'll be goddamned if I don't use my degree. Burgundy screamed in rage. Theater major. The most evil of all college majors, Demi said, prepared for a fight. Now she knew what kind of scum she was dealing with. What kind of attention-seeking degenerate she would have to take down. What kind of evil, manipulative, over-the-top, sing-songy, absolute embarrassment of a dork fetishist she would have to kill with her cold hard steel and flame Un- unrelated but uh, join the patreon patreon.com slash story <laughs> and you drug the coffee Demi surmised oh no my dear that was all on the level see my true passion in life is coffee I love it so much, I never shut up about it. And like all sad fucks, I use this one thing to define my personality. (laughs) Coffee and musical theater. So really, just those two things. (laughs) Just then, Buffcat burst down the stairs along with Ugla. Still groggy, Ugla held up Sandals the Katana. Stop right there, Fred Asshair, she said <laughs> with a laugh and then dropped the sword down. Snored for a second before waking back up and holding up the sword again. Ah, good, my favorite customers are here, Burgundy said tauntingly. At the sight of the Catman, Buff, at the Catman, Buff Cat was sent into a rage. He roared a deep meow. 
They are my greatest achievement, Mr. Catman. And if it weren't for this meddling kid, you'd be a part of my great plan. A plan to bring delicious coffee to the world. A world where I rule as evil warlock coffee king. Burgundy <laughs> laughed so hard he started coughing. <laughs> you know where the best coffee in Darnos comes from, don't you? It comes from the excrement of cats. They eat these special coffee beans and then poop them out of their butts. And then I take the seeds in the poop and I make delicious coffee. Not even a wizard could withstand its effects. <laughs> he again laughed evilly. We drank shit coffee? Debbie screamed him again with a rubber tongue. <laughs> Hot brown, Uglas said with a laugh, still <laughs> groggy from sleep. These cat men aren't dead. They're my helpers in this alchemical venture I have created. Burgundy exposited. <laughs> You're the most evil coffee man on earth, Demi said, shaking her head. You're even worse than Starfox. <laughs> Ew, unions, Burgi, Burgundy winced. <laughs> but now you must sleep. Sleep, little ones, Burgundy commanded as a wave of sleepiness washed over the three. Demi struggled, too, to remain awake. She turned to Buff Cat Nungla, who was now sleeping, standing up, leaning on her staff. Toss me, she said to Buffcat. <laughs> Toss me, basement kitty. <laughs> Buffcat, realizing what she was getting at, grabbed Demi and swung her around merry-go-round style, and then hammer-tossed her head first toward a giant vat of butt water being siphoned from the catman. <laughs> Demi unsheathed her sword and, with a shout, uh, her most and with and shouted her most defiant battle cry. With a clang, she plunged her flame sword into a metal vat. The flames superheated the poop juice almost instantly. <laughs> How about we top you off there a bit, Demi said, smiling. She pulled the sword from the vat, and with a loud explosion and hiss, steaming brown breakfast butt water shot out, of the <laughs> shot out and covered the warlock in hot, shitty brown scalding wake-up juice. Ah, no, my coffee! He shouted as his skin began to sag off his bones. Burgundy went to take a step forward. Uh, toward the vat, but his leg broke off from his lower leg as the poopy soup melted through his bones. <laughs> his concentration broken, the catman and all the stuffed animal heads that were in the tavern room began to reawaken. Buffcat rushed over to free as many as he could of their poop tubes and IVs. Ugla, <laughs> <laughs> finally snapping out of her stupor, woke up leaning against her staff. Uh, what I miss? She said, <laughs> sounding confused. I'll kill you for this, you little troublemaker! I'll tap dance on your grave! I'll build a set and write an off-Broadway play about how my dad never loved me <laughs> and how it was all your fault! Burgundy screamed. As the flesh melted from around his eyes, the only thing that remained was a skeleton that was once Burgundy Catsopolis. Mew, mew, mew! Buffcat said, running over to Demi. We did it, kitty cat man! Demi said, hugging him. What should uh, what should we do about that? Demi asked Ugla. Oh, I don't think he's going to hurt anyone anymore, Ugla said, patting Burgundy's skeleton. <laughs> You're right. I'm finally a star. A dancing star. Burgundy Skeleton did a tap dance with a top hat and cane that he somehow had acquired as he tapped off into the sunset. After cleaning up the town, the cat men settled down with the villagers and helped them start over. 
Buff Cat was relieved that he finally got to see more of his kind. Few they may be. Plus, the town had a new free-of-poop coffee tavern. The Evil Tower, every thir- every Thursday night, <laughs> was ladies' night. <laughs> and if you can stand listening to Bergie Skellman's tap routine for more than 15 minutes, your meal was free. Nobody would ever win that free meal. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Hey. A beautiful tale of truly finding yourself as a skeleton. <laughs> I think we all learned a valuable lesson this episode. I did actually learn a lesson that the the process of how that coffee was made is real. Yeah. Yes. The Civic Cat. <laughs> yep. It's like considered the best coffee in the yeah, world, but uh, it comes from Kopi Luwak. That's I said that horribly wrong. I'm sure I'm sorry, everyone. That's the name of it. It's the name of the coffee. Yeah, and yeah, they they eat it and they doo doo it out, and then they make the coffee out of the doo doo beans. That's right. It's uh, like really expensive. Down down doo doo beans doo doo beans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that TLC head. <laughs> nice. Um, there is a, a a very similar thing about the one of the ingredients uh, that they hide as natural um, natural ingredients in vanilla ice cream is oh, the secretion like of an uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Cas- castorium yeah oh man it's been used in I... products for like two thousand years look as long as it tastes good. That's yeah, I, I don't care. care. About. It, yeah. could, it could literally be shit, and I'm still yeah. eating vanilla ice yeah. cream. I don't give a fuck. It's not doing any. It wasn't doing any harm before you knew about it, right? No. Nope. <laughs> As he tucks into a beaver's anal gland roar. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those are some delicious anal glands. Mm-hmm. It's all out of all all of all the anal glands I've ever tasted, I'd say the beavers is the best. Mm-hmm. I've tasted a lot of anal glands. <laughs> <laughs> I love this crew, man. I know uh, I've said it a million times, but I love your characters so much. They're all so silly. I find I like just them. writing them together. It's yeah. funny to me that they're just like, you know, they don't care really. It's I don't know. I love but, the uh, the in-universe revelation that they've been ten stories traveling to grow. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, it's much better when a character points out the bullshit in our stories, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's at this point, it's like it's a joke. It's like it's worse than Lord of the Rings at this point. You know what's going to be a real blue ball situation if they get to Grawl and it's like Grawl in the future or something like that, and they're hey, why don't you shut up about <laughs> these ideas? Um, why don't you shut the fuck up about that for a second? And and. Change Just write your own stories, Rich. <laughs> change the subject here. Anywho. Well, um, I was so excited when Buff Cat came back, and now I can understand what he's saying somehow. I feel like Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you like got, Chopper. Yeah. It's the context, it's Exactly right? like it. Like, there's, it, there's a point in Rebels when you're watching it, and you're like, oh, my God, I understand this yep. thing. And it's not like season two. It's like season three, and you're like, Oh, I've I've been conditioned to see yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, we've it's reached what it is. we've reached that with Buffcat to yeah. where mm-hmm. we the audience can understand what he's saying now. No translation is needed. Nope. No translation on ball, all sea ball, 
or spell. I'm assuming there's a spell. I also I, I also love it when you give him a singular monosyllabic mew and you don't explain what the answer is because you just don't want to fucking answer it. Yeah. Don't answer the question. Them. Mew. <laughs> you gotta have some mystery in the world. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and I didn't realise it's been like a good few episodes since we've been with this lot, isn't hasn't it? Yeah, I figured I'd bring him back, because I got a lot of shit going on here. It's... Didn't you have a cliffhanger last episode? Uh, literally, I had a cliffhanger. I guess we'll get back to that eventually. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, Josh is no uh, stranger to the unresolved cliffhanger. He left people wanting more maple taint for like a season and a half. Yeah. And then Maple Tain just back. showed up in a different story. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a cryptid now. Yeah. If you see him, it's good luck or bad luck. I don't <laughs> depending, know. Depending that on what sort is. of shitty mood he's in. Yeah. Taint, is, officially, canon, canonically, Taint Maple is on Dev's website of cryptids. The Dev brand. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. He's got it all, that Dev. One of these days, I'm gonna like spring to get more uh, dot cards, and I'm going to make the dev room site, which is cryptids oh, so <laughs> from my stories and shit on it. That would rule. That would be. Good. I'd be there every day because to me, it's all real. It's true. It's all true. <laughs> For cryptids, by cryptids. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly, that's what it should be. Fukuk.card.co Right, with that, we're going to close the cover on today's episode. Um, Should we, let's do prompts first. That's that's the way we always do it, so I don't know why I'm asking. Get out the prompt. Let's get out the all C prompts. It's just a light bulb with Christmas lights wrapped around it. Look, right. it works. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. The first prompt today is Incantations by Red Baron. That's a good one. That is a good one. And the second prompt is... Cooking by Briar Huff. Briar Huff? Is that a real one? <laughs> yeah. That's a great name. That is a great name. Uh, cooking and Incantations. You be hanging out with Robin Hood with that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Friar Cuck. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. This is not that type of show. Or is it? <laughs> or is it? Uh, pay us more money and maybe. <laughs> should, we, should we show Rich the real uh, Folgers commercial or the, the fake one where it's very clearly? Oh, I mean, you're going to have to. You're going to have to send it to me. You got. Okay. You got to send it to me. It's I, if you hadn't have said that, I would have sent him the fake one. <laughs> the fake like one. this was on yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, this is real. This is a real one. So, if you read those, listen to those prompts. You didn't read them. If you listened to those prompts and you thought incantations, that that's actually really good. <laughs> but I could do better. I was like, are you about to shit on this again? That's a good one. <laughs> um, then what you Snow need coffee. to do. Pony up some cash, dude. Give us $5 a month. Go over to patreon.com slash storylords. Give us $5 a month. And then you can go and suggest prompts of your very own. It's mm-hmm. just It just makes sense, right? It just makes sense to do that. Put your money where your mouth is. 
you little for bitch. For the cup, price of one cup of cat butt coffee a month. <laughs> put put your money where my hands is. Yeah, exactly. But you get more benefits from doing this. You get to join yeah. the Discord. You get to read our stories on the uh, Patreon. And you get to suggest prompts. That's three things in one. What do you? When do you ever get three delicious things in one thing for five dollars? Maybe a burger. Not from hot box, <laughs> brown box, whatever the fuck. Meat box. <laughs> meat brown. You say meat box like it's better than what we're saying. It's worse somehow. <laughs> for ten dollars a month, you get access to redesign by committee and our extra shit that we're going to do as well. So uh, more on that when I can be bothered to put Patreon post up. A meat box is a vagina, right? <laughs> <laughs> that yes. We I mean, call we call on. the ten dollar pledge our meat box pledge no we don't uh and the 20 dollars pledge is the fanny box pledge <laughs> uh, that means vagina redesigned by committee is where we redesign i'm just powering through where we redesign Smart. an existing ip uh for your pleasure and for 20 dollars, you get all that pdfs of the upcoming book and a creator credit in the book itself uh, if you want any other info on the show just head over to storylords.card that's with two r's.co uh, big thanks, as always, to Vidison uh, for the use of his music for the show. Uh, we love you, buddy. Um, you can find out all information on Greg, that, that's Vidison, at vidison.card.co. Um, also, if you really want to help us out, leave a review for us, because it really does help. Uh, tell your friends about us. If you're having a D&D night, put us on in the background. In fact, for fuck D&D, just listen to us with your friends, goddammit. Yeah. Just yeah. sit in a circle silently and listen to our podcast with nude. your friends. Nude, yeah. Do it nude. There was, Do it. There's no no uh, prerequisite to do it nude, but we, you know, uh, we, we, we we'll do know. not have any new we'll reviews. Know. That's fine. That is fine. Boo! Um, you cowards! <laughs> yeah. I think I did. I did, did I do that all right? I did it all in one. You, did great. I didn't you need got to all through it. You didn't listen to any stupid shit we were saying the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it really was good for you. <laughs> um, like, you did great. I, I didn't like it, but it was fine. Uh, so one of the <laughs> things it was we're fucking doing, hot garbage, personally. But <laughs> we're one of those things that I'm talking about that we'll do at the ten dollar pledge. Uh, we will probably release in a week or so. Uh, but we are recording it tonight, and we're not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to pony up the cash. If yeah, you don't want get it. excited about it. The secret <laughs> is we don't know what it is. <laughs> the se- the real thing is that no one knows. No one knows. It's a mystery box. <laughs> there, could, in, there could be anything it's, in it, including actual good content. Or me. <laughs> A mystery meat box. It could be good content. It never is, but it could it be. It could be. One of these days, statistically, it should be. It's your choice. Just do by you want, accident. Do you want the boat or do you want the mystery box? The box, the box, the box. <laughs> it could be a boat. Um, other things you can do to help us is you could head over to jeffpennington.art and commission Jeff for some artwork um, because he does good art and you should have some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what go, are you doing? What yeah, are you what, doing? <laughs> photos of your family and friends on the wall? <laughs> Put some Jeff Pennington yeah. art up. Um, true. You can go and listen to M Class Podcast, which is a podcast that the guys do, the other two, these two, 
Josh and other Josh do on um, Star Trek, and it's really good. And you could listen to uh, Toon Hounds, uh, which I do with my friend Spivzy, and it's all about cartoons. We recently ranked What If Season 2, and there are some shit episodes of that show. Yeah, Season 2, yeah, I, I don't know. Too much Captain Carter. I like that, though, but... Mm. I feel like they're gonna bring like like they're like well we don't have Captain America so we're just gonna make Captain Carter Captain America mm. now. That's coming. That's definitely coming. They already have a Captain America though. They got Sam. Yeah, they just yeah, refuse to they do anything care. with him. They don't care about him. That uh, film is. I mean, they, there's a, there's a lot of pushback amongst a certain honky type of yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that season though was so fucked up from Co- like that whole story. Yeah, was so dude. I love like. My favorite. We'll talk about this in the extra thing. Actually, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. You gotta be a subscriber, whatever it is. What do we do? Patreon, Patreon. supporter. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm, so I'm gunning for least likable host. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, cooking and incantations. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's a damn fine cup of butt water. <laughs> <laughs>